Hi there, I'm Evan Troxell. Welcome to my podcast about how technology is changing the architectural profession. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Evan Troxell, and welcome to the first episode of 2021. I couldn't be more excited to present to you my first guest of the year, and that is Dave Fano. Dave is very well known in our industry of architecture for good reason. He is a self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur. He was trained as an architect, and his interests and expertise lie in connecting technology and data to help people work. He has previously taught at Columbia GSAAP. He co-founded Case Inc. in 2008, which was a building information and technology consultancy that was later sold to WeWork in 2015. Case was the place where the infamous buildings equal data mantra began. Once acquired by WeWork, he became the chief growth officer before starting his latest venture, which is called Teal. So now Dave is the CEO and founder of Teal, which enables people to build fulfilling careers. And in this episode, we talk about how that happened. How did he go from working as chief growth officer at WeWork to becoming the founder of yet another company, this time at Teal? Teal believes that everybody should have the resources to build a meaningful career, and they help people like you navigate change and drive your career with confidence and purpose. One of the things that you might notice by following Dave on Twitter is that, at least for a while, he had the numbers 2143 after his Twitter handle, which is David Fano, all one word. So I was wondering what that 2143 meant. And if you dig around a little bit on the Teal website, you'll see that it is his work style, which is also something you can assess for yourself on the Teal website. So what does 2143 mean? Here's the text straight from Dave's work style explanation. His magnetic and inspiring approach empowers him to sway people to his point of view. He enjoys the challenge of meeting new people and getting others to like them. He tends to approach people and situations in an energetic, lively manner. He encourages others and is typically seen as a motivator. He likes to collaborate and prefers a social group setting when it comes to work or other events. His energy often draws others in and helps others to feel comfortable around them. I think that that explains who Dave is in a really great way. And I was encouraged to take this survey myself. And so my numbers are 4132. It says I'm independent, autonomous, and find personal space important in my environment. I prefer to maintain a comfortable distance from others and tend to build trust slowly when meeting new people. I choose my words carefully and I'm slow to reveal personal information to others. And I tend to be private in nature and prefer to listen and observe new people and situations. Again, I think that that is pretty spot on. So I encourage you to head over to the tealhq.com website and look for the work style survey. And let's find out what you are. So this was a great conversation. We talk about how Dave got to where he is, where the idea for Teal came from, and how that's been going over the last year, leading up to some announcements that were happening right around the time of recording around the Teal Job Tracker, which is a great way to kind of keep an eye on all of the different prospects that are going on out there. One of the things we talked about during this episode was that you should always be searching. And so I think that this job tracker obviously fits right into that because it allows you to follow along as those prospects either close up or open up depending on what happens. 
We also get back into the history of how Dave got to where he is, where he started, where he was adjunct professor at Columbia, working his way up to co-founding Case, going through the transition into WeWork, and eventually starting Teal. So lots to cover in this episode. It was a fantastic conversation. So without further ado, I present to you my conversation with Dave Fano. Dave Fano, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you and meet you. Likewise, thanks so much for having me. I I really appreciate the invite, and um, you know we've been able to have exchanges on Twitter and LinkedIn for a while now. But it's it's great to to finally talk. Well, yeah, and I I've been like retweeting and sharing and all the various words you use on the various platforms to do the things. But I love what you guys are doing. And that to me, is I, that's why I really wanted to have a conversation with you. And you, I saw that you guys just had your one year anniversary for Teal, which is your latest venture. And I thought it would be cool if you just kind of share the story of what, how it started, why it started. I know that, you know, you came out of WeWork, you were, I think you were on paternity leave for quite a while, and then you decided to do this other thing. And I would love it if you kind of take us through that. But then, like, what has this year been like for you? Because I could imagine it's been kind of a roller coaster. Sure. So, you know, there's a few things. I think it's uh, it's really the culmination of a lot of things. And there's a few things that really motivate me, which are enabling people through the use of tools that were probably pretty co- complicated to use. Yeah. But I really enjoy trying to distill it down and teaching people how to use them and, and, and expanding their abilities. That was a lot of my early drive for why I was a teaching assistant at Columbia. And I taught people how to use Rhino and 3ds max and different software. Cause I loved watching people get unlocked by technology and uh, technology in the most broad sense. And I loved teaching people how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of like at the core while I was on paternity leave, I really thought about, I was like, when was I like most fulfilled in my career? And it was when I was teaching and really getting to enable people. And that was a big part of what we did at case. You know, the first business line at case was an implementation one where we taught people how to use Revit and different mm-hmm. software. And then paired that with my experience as an executive at a high growth pre IPO company mm-hmm. and very quickly seeing how much I didn't know Mm. and running a large organization and really starting to see the interworkings of a large company. You know, uh, not everyone gets an experience, a company going from 500 employees to 16,000. Yeah. But what, what that really enabled me to do was to see, cause I think all those stages are real and there are these like thresholds that companies cross that just present different challenges and in particular for how a person manages their career path in that company. Mm. And, you know, obviously the smaller the company, the more access you have to stuff and the more you can sort of raise your hand and jump in and the bigger companies get the more siloed and procedural they get. Yeah. Again, I got to see it like in hyperdrive, but I, I still think the moments in which we were at each of those stages were pretty indicative of what it's like to be a company at that size. And what I realized is that, you know, as much as the company wants to help people grow and you know, help them with the career pathing. There are just the natural evolutionary pressures on a business to survive. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the company is doing the things that it needs to do to survive. I think a lot of really thoughtful companies understand that their investment in their people is long-term survival. 
but it's oftentimes like not so obvious. And I just got to thinking, it's like, why don't people like take more ownership of their careers? Why do people like go to HR and say, HR, what's my career path? Or HR, where should I go? Or HR, this is the performance cycle, or this is how we do it. And it's like the, the people that I saw like really accelerate their careers are the ones that took ownership of it. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, they, they were unrelenting on like, okay, I want that next big project. Hey, hey I want to get tagged into this thing. Hey, I want this experience. And they looked out for themselves and, and they got it. And I don't know if it comes from like the origins of how labor sort of more formalized labors began and, you know, the, the notion of pension and that companies were, you know, people were supposed to stay at companies for a long time, but that has long gone away, mm-hmm. but we're still acting like it's there. Right. Everyone kind of approaches jobs like a marriage, but the truth is like, you are going to separate empirically. Right. Uh, yeah. Unlike 50% like marriages, which is still pretty bleak, but you know, like 100%. most people leave a company within three years empirically, yeah. Yeah. maybe four. Um, but we approach it as this thing that's going to be forever. And and so a company, obviously, as much as they care about you while you're there, can't continue to grow your career for you. Right. And so I was thinking that I would really love to help people figure out how to manage their careers, how to take more assertive approach on their careers, how to think about themselves as a company. Because what I saw is like when people wanted autonomy and agency, the media was like, let me go start a company. And a lot of those people end up really upset, really unfulfilled because starting a company is hard and like, that's gotta be the craft you enjoy. And that's gotta be the thing you love doing. And, um, you know, and, and for the people that that's right. And the people that are obsessed with the problem they're trying to solve, I think that's wonderful, but it is not a sort of a path to pure agency and autonomy. Yeah. I, I think if anything, it's less, yeah. um, sure. You get a certain amount. I don't want to, yeah. you know. I can choose when to go on vacation. Now, do I have to stay on my phone in case any of our members need something? Sure, but it's different. So anyways, all that's to say is like, I, I really wanted to do that. I wanted to unlock that for people. Because I just think like when we find our work and the thing that really moves us, it has such profound impact on all aspects of our life. And I've seen the people that have found their work and are, really love it and enjoy it. And I said, I want to enable everyone to do that without needing to start a company. And I want to give them the tools and resources so that they are on the same level playing field as companies infrastructurally in terms of data, insights, tooling, and a community to really take control of their career. And you know, that's the long-winded version of the origins of how we got here. That's really interesting. And I, I wonder how fully, because you just presented like a pretty fully thought out framework. I mean, to, to have to label it something. How, how fully thought out was that in the beginning versus you know how, how much did that evolve over the the last year so it's, it's evolved a lot and i'd say the big evolution was my lack of understanding which was weird given that i came from a company that was so focused on this was the need for community you know i was like i really started with this like single player mode of how can we just enable a single person to do what they need to do and give them the tools very focused on the tools like give them the tools um, you saw, you thought of Teal as more of like a resource platform rather than a community. Yes. It was really like an enabler where you got tools and you got to do things and, you know, we would enable you, you know, Teal to member. And what we didn't realize is that like more important than anything is member to member. And that no matter what kind of technology we build, that we just cannot capture all the nuances 
and intricacies of a career. And the best way for people to get that information is to connect with another person. They're just, you know, I would say that like the career moments are finite, right? Resigning, asking for a raise, conflict, like that's a finite list. But then when you add on all the contexts, it's infinite, Yeah. right? That as a project manager that has like conflict with this person who is connected to that person. So then once you add on all those layers and, and people want, to be able to talk through their specific situation, like the generalized situations are like, yeah, but, mm-hmm. and so what we realized is it needed to be this combination of expert guidance, tooling, and then a community to bring it all together. Yeah. And, and that was an evolution. Honestly, what really put that on the forefront for us was COVID, mm-hmm. you know, from November of last year until about April, uh, really about COVID hit. We launched in April, the new version. It was very much like a, career concierge. And what we realized is that people needed that accountability from the community and insights from the community and to not feel alone uh, because so many of these career struggles are really isolating. And you, you're a lot of people don't want to talk about them, and, but there's so many people that are going through the same things. And if we band together, you know, it's in that collective that you really get the power and you get that confidence to go and do the things and be able to talk through it with people. And so that was the missing piece. And I think when we added that, you know, that was not part of our original plan. Yeah, I think very early on, we had a little bit of like member to member communication, but it was not like as core as it is today. Yeah. And now we understand that it's fundamental to people being able to really grow their careers. They have agency and choice. Like, when do I go to the community? When do I do it on my own? One of the things we've also seen is that people really want to to feel like they've done it on their own, right? It's, it's, It's like very human feeling to be like, I've achieved it. I didn't need, you know, a crutch to do this. And so the community really solves that in a great way because people can leverage it as much or as little as they want. And as they develop that comfort comfort and build those relationships and they can lean on those people more. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's been the, the most catalyzing part of, of what we've learned since April when we made like a, a fairly big pivot from us to member to us to member to member. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like as I've kind of watched you guys grow, I think you started off with just like an air table, right, of of opportunities and a way for people to kind of go in there and look around and and maybe even give some availability or, or whatever. Um, but to go from that to what you've gone to and have that large shift, and you've obviously had to add a lot of tools to that platform. You guys have this an amazing Slack community now where you even assign people to kind of meet up with each other based on some of the attendance that happened at the career growth summit that you guys did. I mean, there's, there's so much, there's so many moving parts to this that have come so far from kind of that initial offering that you guys made. That to me is what's so interesting about how technology has enabled kind of this new way of working, this new way of connecting and, and it's funny, like we've seen the meme, right? Where it's like, how did your company pivot to, you know, digital transformation. And it was like the, the CIO or the CTO, or was it COVID-19, right? And and it's like, it was COVID. <laughs> it was the, the great catalyzer of, you know, it made things happen. Um, and so did, it seems like that, you know, you guys had this kind of light bulb moment where everybody's kind of operating in isolation. Let's, let's stop that. Let's get people talking about what I think are traditionally seen as taboo topics t- to talk about, at least within their company, and just broaden it out and say, okay, now you're not necessarily talking with people in your company about this. You're talking with everybody. And there is a great collective knowledge for people to grab from 
and piece together their own story and uses inspiration, you know, the bits and pieces that they want to, to really take charge of their career. And the way that I've talked about it on, on previous shows and on my other show is, is like designing your path instead of having it handed to you, which so many people are doing. So it seems to me like you guys have a, a pretty strong stake in the ground around the idea of designing your path forward and not waiting around to see what somebody else has designed for you or lack thereof. A hundred percent. And, you know, what we're trying to do is bring a little bit of a fresh approach to a lot of the career material that's out there because it's, it's a topic that's gone on forever mm -hmm. and it's, you know, heavily involvement from the government, you know, labor matters uh, and in lots of different areas, you know, universities have career services groups. The government has tons of career services groups. But what I would say is many of them are missing is a more modern, agile approach to how you think about your career. You know, a lot of it is like, you know, what did it say you did on your tombstone? And it's right. like the world's just changing at a pace mm -hmm. that new occupations are coming up daily. And a lot of companies are actually pretty excited to take you on in a role that didn't exist before if you have a tremendous amount of passion about a topic. Yeah. So to approach a career with a mindset of growth and learning and pursuit of new opportunities that'll push you is probably the more modern way to do it. And you got to ask. And I think, you know, we, we're starting to get to a place where I think people feel empowered to do it. There's, there's clearly a, a power dynamic between the employee and the employer and not wanting to push the boundaries too much. But I also think a lot of it's in our head. You know, I think it's very easy when, this thing that is the source of livelihood for our family and take ups, takes up the, the majority of our waking hours, we don't really have time to pursue other opportunities. You know, we're happy. It's good enough. I don't want to really want to rock the boat. That's a tremendous amount of change. So I'll just, you know, kind of stick it out. And, and I'm not going to like, you know, ruffle any feathers. I'm not going to go and shake things up. Like things are good. I don't want to put anything at risk. But a lot of times companies really appreciate that when someone says, hey, look, this is what I'd really be excited to do. Or, hey, the next time there's a project that includes this stuff, could I please be included? What's the worst that can happen is they say no. Yeah. Well, then you know it's not a place that's really sponsoring and supporting your career growth. And then you can start. But I think too many people have a kind of like fear uh, with pushing on the organization. And I think it's a two-way street. I think a when a company takes on the responsibility of employing somebody mm -hmm. and they want to keep great people. Great people want to be challenged and yeah. great people want to try new things. Absolutely. And I mean, like, I think everyone's great. I kind of, I don't love the distinction. Um, so it's not, but I think the, the folks that are going to really help grow companies and are going to have uh, that ambition to push themselves, the companies want to see them and they want them to step up. Yeah. And, and really every, what, what I want, is to see more people that can do that. It's also there. The concept of enough is really important. Mm. And so I don't think everyone should be trying to like always get that higher paycheck, always get that more. Like if you are happy with your job and you're good, that that is awesome. I think that's actually what we're all striving for. <laughs> yeah. Satisfaction. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that's great. And so I'm, you know, I want to be mindful of like, you know, not in any way demeaning that because I yeah. think like overambition also has its issues and, you know, like finding that balance is, is truly critical. But understanding like what matters for you, how you feel like you're growing, how you're fulfilled, when you want to be challenged, because there may be periods in your life where like, you know what, actually, this is kind of like a take it easy moment. This is a I want to take on a career tough mutter moment. 
Um, but again, people being kind of in control of that and being able to decide when to turn the dial and then how to put pressure on their organization to enable them to do it. Because at the end of the day, companies are kind of like the soil for our careers. And so without the company and without the company enabling us, just shy of us starting companies, we don't get the opportunities to do those things. So, you know, seeing people speak up more and get those opportunities and creating them rather than waiting for them, I think is is key. Yeah, this this idea of agency and kind of reprogramming people to have it uh, and to say it's okay to have it is really important because I think a lot of people are just kind of, you know, in a comfort zone and waiting for permission to do something like this a lot of times. And I think you guys just recently, I saw a tweet come out uh, that talked about, you know, when's a good time to look for work. It's not necessarily just when you don't have it, right? It's it's all the time. And and I've talked about this in the past with, with friends as well, is like, it's great practice, if nothing else, to put yourself in these positions where you need to answer tough questions and you need to have a point of view on things and you need communication skills. And there's a great way to develop that. And it's to put yourself in those situations quite regularly, if you can. And, and I know that that doesn't necessarily work out with everybody's schedule and it's not something that people really are looking forward to doing but it seems like you guys are trying to change that yeah it's 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 just kind of tricky seeing like the complacency that that comes and how people oftentimes like find themselves just like waiting for the opportunity um but the framing we use is we like a lot of these product development um kind of analogies and if if you are a product and you are taking you as a product to the market how are you getting market feedback, mm-hmm. right? And how are you understanding? And so, you know, in sales, there's this ABC, you know, phrase, always be closing. I think yeah. in, in, and I think I want to sort of coin ABS, always be searching uh, just because you never know. And it's a great way to, to keep companies honest. Um, I encourage everyone at Teal to be looking, um, you know, and the more open we can do it, the better. Cause that, how can I get market feedback? You know, it's like, hey, you know, well, this is what we're seeing on comp in the market. Oh, well, that's good to know. Um, or, hey, this is what we're seeing on the latest, you know, uh, in the interviewing questions. Now, I'm not sure everyone's taken me up on it because we're super swamped, but I, I think it's important. And I, you know, I think if we really think about like the architecture of the relationship, there is an entity, there's a person, and then there's a person. And so because there's that person, person, People make these like very relational and personal, but at the end of the day, really what it is, is the relationship between a person and an entity, mm-hmm. right? And that, that is one of the things I try to stress a lot. It's like, guys, if you go find another job, that's going to take your career forward, that like Dave might be upset, but Teal doesn't have feelings Yeah, like as a company, right? It needs to do what it needs to do. And it's the same. And so we conflate. Now, I don't want to devalue relationships. You got to be thoughtful about that. And that's part of this career equity that Cal Newport talks about, which I think is really important. Um, That same person, if you slight them and you sort of leave them in a lurch, they go on to do other great things. They may not want to hire you. And so your network and your relationships is one of the hugest part of your career capital. But I can also think you can decouple the relationship with the person and the relationship with an entity. Mm-hmm. So you may feel like you're leaving your manager in the lurch, but like Acme Corp, Acme Corp will be fine. Like it'll figure it out. Yeah. And there are ways to have very honest human conversations about your career growth and where you think you wanted it to go. And if the company can't support it, that's, that's not really your problem. Now you can choose to make an investment and say, Hey, look, I actually think this thing's going to round the corner and it's going to be amazing. 
Mm-hmm. That's okay. Just make those things conscious and explicit decisions so that you can't, you just can't get that time back. And careers are compounding, you know, so every inch forward really has a long-term compounding effect and you just can't get the time back. So again, I don't want to create like a false sense of pressure and urgency. They're like, Hey, you got to do it today. But there is a certain amount of like, you got to get it while you can. Yeah, it's there. There's definitely. Uh, well, I, I guess I'm wondering with you with the tools, the platform, the resources, the people that you have. Is that something that you're really trying to instill in people? Is that that there is like this feelingless entity <laughs> that they need to be really aware of? Because that's not the kind of conversation that I think normal people have when they're doing job searching. Like they're looking for something that fulfills them. They're looking for a fit. They're looking for compensation like you haven't brought that word up once in all of this right and so like they don't really think about it as like this thing that you are providing a service to like your salary is for your time that you are dedicating to them but that's what it is that's all it is i mean it of course there's going to be other thoughts and feelings and relationships that get established here but that's what you get paid for so do you guys really stress that kind of point of view of of the entity not like like creating a layer of separation almost between you and the entity just so that you can kind of compartmentalize it and think about it that way? Or or how do you frame that up? Yeah. When we talk about comp, you know, we have a class on your negotiation Mm -hmm. and, and that's why it can't just be tools. Right. I think that's where, especially for something like this, which is like fairly a fairly new behavior to try to get consumers to really think about proactively managing their career is it needs to be this combination of, the guidance, the education, the content with the tooling, because I feel like that's lacking other than everyone getting really good at spreadsheets and and then the community to talk about it. And so in that guidance component, because if we just released the tools, I don't think people would be changing their process for thinking about it. Right. So that's why the guidance and the education is so important. Yeah. And it is these kinds of topics, right? Not everyone gets to go get an MBA mm-hmm. where, and I'm not even sure MBAs like really frame it this way, but yeah, we really talk about a market value. And that compensation isn't emotional and that if you push and understand your market value and understand like the dynamics of the market, then you can maximize it. Now, if you leave the market to its own devices, it will do ugly things. It will have bias. You know, the people that don't advocate for themselves will fall behind. Mm-hmm. And and so the more people understand themselves as a, a product in this market, the more they can understand how to navigate the market. And so that's absolutely what we try to teach people. And then also to understand it in the short and long term. I think a lot of like my major contention with a lot of the compensation discussion is that too many people are tying like their self-worth from an identity perspective, not a monetary perspective to the number. And so what it is forcing is very short-sighted views on compensation and like wealth. Mm-hmm. Because it's the people that can take the risks end up doing all right. And now the people that take the risk probably come from a lot of times come from a place of privilege, which has enables them to take the risk. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a chicken and egg problem. But because everyone's like so focused on like in the moment, let me get the number today. They may not do some of these bigger things like betting on themselves. Because at the end of the day, what they're missing on it is it's a bet on yourself. If you go join a startup. And you think you can really move the needle there and you can help really be successful. Of course, you're not the CEO and they're going to make calls. But like I've seen people come in as an intern and grow in crazy ways because they 
they raise their hand. Yeah. You know, when the challenges come up, they don't think about a 40 hour work week. Uh, again, work life balance is critical, but they think about like how it's, it's about me learning. How can I grow? How can I get more exposure? How can I get more experience? And sure, compensation is one part, but I'm getting a ton of value by learning. And those experiences are going to pay off forever. And so I, you see these people that have continual success over success over success. And you look at their resumes and you look at when they were at those companies, mm -hmm. they took bets, right? A lot of these like Valley companies that were, they were startups at the time. And so now you see like LinkedIn on someone's resume or Salesforce on someone's resume. It's like, yeah, no brainer. That's like a fortune 100 or fortune 500. It's like, but it wasn't at the time. Right. Right. And so it goes back to that, like this notion of that the jobs are forever and that we don't see them as these things that are actually quite iterative. And I, we encourage people. We, we tell that people to people straight up. It's like, look, you're probably going to work at this company three years. Like there's a higher likelihood of that than not. And then the people that jump around, not frivolously, but with, with intentionality and clarity yeah. on yeah. where they want to go and where they want to take their career, if they're deliberate about it, you're going to be able to get grow. You're going to be able to grow and make those opportunities for yourself. And so- yeah, that, that is the push. And, and that is kind of how we talk about it. And, you know, we're going to talk about it more. I think, you know, we were still in a little bit of like a post COVID, like we're recovering. Let's just help people get back to work. Yeah. And I think now as we sort of turn the corner on the year, all right, now let's focus on growth. How do we grow? How do we, how do we take control of our career? How do we, it's yeah, look, this is the new normal. We should be happy and thankful. We have a job at a, at a great company, but how do we push on them to help us grow? Because there's still plenty of great companies that are doing fantastic and there's no reason for you to stunt your career. Um, and, and there's ways for people to keep growing, even in whatever the environment is. Yeah, I guess one, I, there's so many questions, but I, or things to talk about, but I think like just honing in on that last piece there, are you seeing that happen a lot? It does seem like uh, during situations like this, people tend to hunker down and not stand out and and obviously I'm generalizing here, but it does seem like people, you know, like, oh yeah, I am happy to have a job. I don't, I don't want to not have that. So what are you guys seeing out in the marketplace? Are you seeing a lot of, I mean, obviously you're seeing a lot of interest in what you're doing at Teal. So maybe that just kind of starts to answer the question, but like, what are you, are you still seeing it as, as a time for opportunity that people are taking advantage of? Or do you think that, that that boom is kind of yet to come when people feel a little bit more comfortable? I think it's a mix, right? It really depends what industry people are in. You know, if we're talking about like the design and construction industry, obviously it's been hit pretty hard. And so people are not like looking to rock the boat there mm -hmm. um, because you just don't know what opportunity lies on the other side. If you did something abrupt, like resigning mm -hmm. um, and the, uh, you know, the jobs that are available are scarce. So job searching is tricky. Um, so there's a little bit of like, I don't want to rock the boat. I'm in a good place. Let me wait. You know, I, I do think that the time has passed and people are like, okay, well, let me wait in the new year. Let me, you know, all right, that's when I'm going to start searching. I think people do set these kind of like dates because it is such a a big emotional lift to embark on a journey like uh, switching jobs mm -hmm. or even looking internal, uh, right? Companies are, 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 you know, companies are still doing furloughs and layoffs and yeah. some are just starting to, you know, open back up uh, raises and and do and take away their hiring freezes and, and comp increase freezes. So it really is situational to the industry. Yeah. You know, uh, if you work at a company like Zoom or Peloton, there's probably lots of room for internal growth. <laughs> right. You know, uh, if you work at other companies that may not be doing as well, if you work at a design firm that lost all their clients, 
then yeah, not the best time to go and push on the firm. You know, it's, I think there it's a different kind of push. How can you push for opportunities to be helpful? Mm-hmm. Right. I think that there's a little bit of this like owner's mindset. And I, again, it's one of these things that, that we've sort of learned to be where like the company owes us, or it's like, I'm working here. It's like, look, at the end of the day, you work for yourself. Everyone mm-hmm. works for themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone is the sole proprietor of their own company. And they need an owner's mindset, but not an owner's mindset of the company. I think too many people think, well, I don't get a profit share. I don't get a this. It's like, that's not the point. You get a profit share of you. And you need to make these investments in you. And how are you maximizing your opportunities to get exposure to learn? So if you work at a design firm that's struggling, all right, how can I jump in and help? How can I help with the books? How can I work on presentations? Can I look for competitions? What can I do to help the business? What are the motivating factors for the business? What does success look like for the business? What are the things that are crucial? And how can I help? Yeah. What can I do? Which puts a little bit of the onus on the leadership of the company to make it clear what the objectives of the business are. I think there's so many times that I see it in, at least in the architectural profession, where it's really unclear. It's like, it's we're looking for jobs. That's it. We need more jobs, right, to feed people. But there's always going to be a larger strategy in play, and it's how clearly they can communicate that to people so that they can figure out ways to support that, which I think doesn't happen enough. Yeah, I agree. What I, what I would add to it is don't risk that they're bad at communicating it. Yeah. Ask. Yep. Right? Like at the end of the day, businesses are quite simple. They need to make money and spend less than they make, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of like, you know, then it, you can sort of fans out into trillions of different ways in which that can manifest. But at the end of the day, I think an employee is very much entitled to ask like, so how do we make money? Yeah. How, you know, w- what's our situation? How much money do we have in the bank? If that's the point, how can I help? Exactly. Yeah. How can I help? But what are the motivating factors? Because maybe for some companies, they're venture backed and they say, look, actually, our motivating factor is not to break a profit, but it is to grow at all costs. Yeah. Right. People will agree or disagree with that strategy, but whatever, like understand what are the the goals for the next major milestone for that business. If it's Mm -hmm. a design firm, it's probably to make a profit. Right. Those are the things you want to know. It doesn't mean you got to go start a company and that you need that for that reason, but like you are part of this organism this company that is sustaining and growing. And I, I am a firm believer that everyone that works there should be treated like a shareholder and should have an understanding of how that thing operates. Mm-hmm. And they can, dem- like, can kind of demand it passively, you know, but yeah. I think you can put pressure on leadership to be like, yeah, I'd love to understand like where we are. What's our runway? What's yeah. our burn as a company? What, what's our profit targets? Yeah. You know, we, at Teal, we have transparent salaries, but, and a lot of companies don't do that. But I think, more transparency is better. If someone's suiting up day in and day out, one of the ways that they get autonomy and agency is by understanding like what are the levers of the business. Mm-hmm. So it seems like you, you've taken this real non-typical traditional career path, right? So you obviously kind of doubled down on tech starting case way back when, and then going into WeWork and you've done a lot of different things. I mean, I guess my question is because you've always kind of been in the building sector of that industry. Did Teal start out just kind of focused on that or did you always see it as something that was widely necessary? Uh, I'm still kind of like wrestling on how to focus. Yeah, I I sort of struggle straddling like the long-term vision from the short-term implementation. Uh, And I think really good entrepreneurs do that well. 
uh, really good CEOs, I should say. And I'm still working through that. Those are muscles I'm looking to work on um, because I think like the mission and the long-term vision is a great North star mm-hmm. and kind of guiding light for where we want to take us. But it's a lot to just like dump that on the market at one time. And so we did look at just focusing on AEC, just focusing on architects and kind of where we've landed is trying to do something with a little less specificity, mm-hmm. uh, right? Cause architecture requires like licensure and there's all sorts of things around like the architecture path. And so what we've thought about is like, what are these like career destinations and rather than career starting points, mm. So we do have a lot of architects and engineers, but they want to pivot into tech. And so what we see is a concentration on like marketing roles and product management, uh, UX, UI. And so these are like non-licensed professions um, that a lot of people can transition into that have high growth potential. And so we focused on those as destinations and helping people land those kinds of jobs. And so that's our focus. And so whether you're a teacher, an architect, a doctor, but you want one of those professions and you want to transition over to more knowledge work in any of those roles. Now we don't get super specific on those career paths, but that is where our concentration is. So that's where that you're going to get a lot of great community answers on, you know, how do I go from a sales associate to an account executive, to a sales director, to potentially into enterprise, There are people in the community that can answer that. Mm -hmm. Or how do I go from a community manager to a digital acquisition specialist to a growth marketer? Like people can answer that. And then same for, for the architects and engineers that are in there. Like, look, I, I want to become a product manager. You know, I've sort of seen that there's a ceiling for me. I've learned all these cool new no-code tools and all these incredible things. Um, but there is a clear ceiling until I hit my 40s or 50s. And, you know, this is someone in their late 20s, early 30s. And and they just want to do more. And they see the world operating at a pace and they feel like they're being left behind. So we're we're a great place for them too. Don't you feel like there's just so much untapped potential out there, especially in these established businesses? You know, there's like to me, if I I just take the firm that I work at is 80 years old. We just had our 80th anniversary. And that to me is like there's a lot of embedded thinking that's been around for a very long time. And you don't strike me as a millennial. Sorry, but you talk like (laughs) one. I'm on the I'm on the cusp. I'm 1980. So I'm like. Yeah, I'm right on the cusp. So I'm a little older than you, but you you talk like one, and I feel like it's my job at my firm to attract those people and show them the possibility and the opportunity that lies there because I can see that. And the way you started this conversation was talking about unlocking that. You loved watching that unlock in people when you were teaching them tools and kind of what's possible. And now with with all the technology, with the no-code with these jobs that didn't exist when I was in school. I mean, I I taught a class at Cal Poly Pomona called Emerging Technology, and all we talked about were alternative career paths within the profession of architecture that did not exist five years earlier. And now that's just accelerating and faster and faster. So it seems to me like you are a huge cheerleader. I mean, and it, and I think like this is coming from your the path that you've been on, like, Obviously, Case was a part of that. Obviously, WeWork was a part of that because you're constantly kind of on that bleeding edge of technology and development and things like that. So do you really push people to see the opportunities that maybe others don't see and capitalize on that? Yeah, I think it's the thing thing I need to be mindful of, and I think all of us, is this is a tricky thing with advice, right? A lot of people give advice that they would want. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're all different. Yeah. And so I don't like to 
be settled. I like to be in motion all the time. I operate at a fast pace. And if I give people advice for like what I should do and it's just not right for them. And so, so it's tricky. So what, what I would mm-hmm. say is, I mean, yes, but people need to be clear on what they want. Right. I think what it is, what is it that is fulfilling for them? Right. In, in, and, and for people that pursue architecture, are you excited by buildings or building? Right. Cause I, what I've seen is a lot of people just kind of like grew up in the industry. Their parent was an architect or I don't know, some neighbor that they looked up to was an architect and, or, you know, some family friend, they went to their house and they saw cool models. And that's like kind of like, you know, how people chose their career is really fascinating. Mm hmm. And, you know, it's like some kind of allure for this false notion of what that profession is, be it a doctor, be it a lawyer, be it whatever, right? It's what they saw on TV or, you know, for architects, I feel like every commercial from Verizon or something I've ever seen, they're in an architecture office. So, (laughs) but, you know, or like the cool character in every like rom-com is an architect. So I, I think there's like a very romanticized view of what an architect is, but for someone to really understand what is it? And in a very honest and objective way, if it's ego, that's fine. We mm-hmm. all have egos, mm-hmm. right? Um, if it is about that identity, is if it's if it's about putting that building on the cover of the magazine, okay, cool. If it's about making stuff and being involved in craft, then you got to understand, like, are you comfortable with digital craft? Does it need to be built? Is there something about, like, drawing it and then seeing it come to life? Are you comfortable with the time that it takes to do that? Mm-hmm. Right? Are you ready to wait six, seven years to see that happen? So it's like, I want to see things come to life. Well, then maybe, you know, furniture making or, or some other form of craft can work. But I think really what we try to do is like really push people to understand what it is that matters to them genuinely, not what they were told matters to them or right. what they think matters to them. Yep. And then to chart aggressively on a path and a course to go get that and then iterate. Do you guys advocate prototyping that? For people, because it seems to me like there's so much pressure around making that decision. Uh, And I'm I'm drawing this from a book that I read called Designing Your Life, which was also a Stanford course, right? Yeah, the IDEO guys came out of IDEO. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they they really advocate for prototyping. So find somebody who does this thing that you think you're interested in doing and like obviously interview them, but then see if you can just participate in it. And, and actually try to understand what is actually going on there. Because a lot of times, like you said, there's this romantic notion of what architects do and what architecture is. And obviously, there's hundreds, if not thousands of different career paths you could take within that profession. So do you guys advocate for prototyping? Because it seems like like there is this romantic aspect to a lot of careers out there. We We tend to think the best of all these things because we want the best for ourselves, right? So why not? So So what do you guys do in that? circumstance yeah we teach people how to go find people that might have the title that they want on linkedin and we literally give them text that they can copy paste in an email to request an informational interview nice i say go talk to people go talk you know go to linkedin look for someone that has the title you know or go find the job title that you're excited about it paste it in the search and see what people pop up You'd be surprised how often people are very willing to share about their career path and their career journey. And, you know, honestly, I didn't know much about like informational interviews coming into my, my journey with Teal, but I think it's one of the career secret weapons. Mm. You know, a lot of people are very willing and it's easier than ever to connect with somebody. Totally. You know, and you take a platform that you and I engage on is Twitter, right? I think it's highly underutilized. I think too many people conflate 
like activity with technology. Mm. And yes, there are stupid things that happen on Twitter Mm -hmm. and people say dumb things and some people get addicted. That doesn't mean I need to get addicted. That doesn't mean at the end of the day, I have agency. Like too many people want to like fall victim to these tools. I deleted Facebook. It's like, well, that's kind of extreme. That's a really powerful tool that connects you to 2 billion people, Mm -hmm. right? How about you just unfollow the people that say stuff that offends you Mm -hmm. or right? Like you don't need to let yourself get the, yeah, that's tricky for some people. They obviously have addictive properties, but if you think about them as tools, I struggle when people take such negative positions on a tool. At the end of the day, it's a tool. You can absolutely get real mad on how people use the tool, but it's a tool and you can use it for good. Yep. And so LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Snap, like you name it, they're all tools. Yeah. And it's the same way someone approaches learning Revit or Grasshopper or Dynamo with that kind of excitement, they can learn it with those. And, and people just take like very trite views on those. And I yeah. see a lot of cynicism yeah. in like the, the building industry about it. It's like, I don't know. I don't do social media. It's like, well, you don't talk to people. You don't believe in the power of networks. You don't believe in the, in the power of connecting to people and learning from them. Cause that's all these are. Like, yeah. Do you not believe in talking? Talking is a tool. That's language. And so that's all these are. And I've, and so I think that that's unfortunate, but you know, I think that that's, I also think that's changing. And you see more and more people participating in these like Slack communities and engaging in other ways. And I think that's really powerful. I've heard a lot of people take the position of, you know, like there's just a bunch of crap on there. It's really, there's a lot of junk. It's, it's overwhelming. It's this and that. And it's like, well, what, if you were to go in there and start contributing something useful, which is the opposite of what you think that that thing is, how do you think it would turn out? It would be better, right? I mean, if you want to cut through the noise you also need, it's not just a consumer activity. It is a contribution that you make to it. And you could inspire somebody else to do the same thing, right? And really have this rich discourse on there that I think a lot of people do find. And it isn't easy, but I think once you kind of curate that list of who you follow, who you talk to, who you engage with, who you don't, who you mute, (laughs) you know, all those things, you, you basically can create the types of things that you also want to see on there and you can be a part of that community. I find it fascinating that most of the architectural community, especially in the technology side of things, is on Twitter almost exclusively, right? Like that is the best platform for that for those for that community. And so you also kind of need to find the place where those people are. They're not going to be everywhere. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. You know, for some things like Reddit might be the place. Mm-hmm. But I think the like what I have come to believe as like a universal truth around careers is you get out what you put in. Yep. Absolutely. It's that simple. Yeah. And I see it when people job search and they're clear on the job they want at the kind of company they want, the effort they put in is the value they get out, you know, and the folks that kind of aren't sure and kind of do it a little bit. A lot of them get lucky. You know, you bump into a friend and you talk to them and like, Oh yeah, I got a spot for you. Mm -hmm. But Without a doubt, the people that put in the effort see the output. It just, you know, so you see that with Twitter, you see it with YouTube, you see it with these platforms. Like you put in the effort with intentionality, you start to see the results. Yeah. And none of it's easy, right? What do they say? It's like that, uh, the 10 year overnight success or something, right? You just kind of see the end, but 
the people that do it, yeah, sure. There's a few people that get lucky and they're the ones that we all talk about, but the people that like consistently succeed and, and you see them, you know, having really cool opportunities, it's because they put in the effort and, and they have intentions around it. It is a great way to build. Like you talked about building buildings versus building tools, maybe processes. I don't know. There's so many different ways that you can build. It does seem like a, to me, it's, it's one of the most interesting problems because there's no like real guidebook to it. There's a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimentation because I mean, you want to be authentic about it and you want to present yourself. Uh, it seems like there's so many ways to do that. It's really cool. Yeah. And then, you know, this goes back to those other things, just like putting ourselves out there, right? There is a natural discomfort in that. Yeah. It's, it's not necessarily safe. And if you work somewhere, you see a lot of people that put in their, in their Twitter, like these opinions are my own, like, shouldn't that be the default? Yeah. Why do we have to say stuff like <laughs> <Right>. that? <laughs> like, yeah, they belong to me just cause I work at this place. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, I want to yeah. acknowledge like the, the, these perceived pressures they're there for a reason, yeah. right? There is someone who says something stupid, the company finds out and they get in trouble. I don't think a lot of times you see things that are, you know, sort of innocuous that someone gets fired for. Right. Uh, but, you know, we're also like, we're so polarized these days, right? Yes. Like, you know, if I put my political opinions out there, I don't want to bring that to work and because who knows this. And so, again, I, I completely understand, but there are ways to like focus on the things that matter to you that are not necessarily politically charged and you don't have to engage in that to be able to move your career forward. And so I think those are, are huge investments that people can make to grow their career. And I think networks are, are one of the most important and valuable forms of career capital. Yeah. Well, I want to be very aware of your time commitments. Uh, I, I just had a couple more things that I, or maybe just one more thing that I wanted to talk to you about. And that was when you kind of started in the whole digital tool making training side of things, it sounds like you had an interest in people because you were talking about that unlocking did you really see yourself pivoting into like you have a huge investment in people now? I mean, you've created this community. Did you ever see that coming? I mean, did you feel, did you ever feel like that was what you were meant to do? And then what, that's what would get you up in the morning? Because it seems to me like that's what's happening. I didn't do it explicitly, but I did it passively a lot. And, uh, and I've thought a lot about that because one of the things I did while I was teaching at Columbia. So I was a teaching assistant while mm -hmm. I was at Columbia. And then after a semester uh, they invited me to come be a teacher. And, um, one of the things I was doing, this was in 2007, uh, was I would record all my classes on Camtasia mm -hmm. and then I would cut them up and post them on a WordPress blog, mainly for my students, but I made it public. Yeah. And I think there were some of the first like Rhino and Grasshopper tutorials out there. I think I've watched some of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and people started to engage in the comments and right. people started to connect with it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I actually created a forum. That site was called Design Reform. And then I created a forum on like vBulletin or some other PHP site. And I was engaging a lot there and I had a ton of excitement on it. And then I would go to like the Revit forums. And, and so I liked engaging with people and didn't realize it. But at the time I was creating communities. Yeah. And then at Case, we developed like a really fun following through community outreach, through Twitter, through, you know, the different things we did. We continued to maintain design reform and continue to put new content out there. Uh, you know, we would throw events at AU and invite everybody in. And, um, and then we also did a couple of cool things like this platform we launched called Design by Many, mm -hmm. which is around like crowdsourcing. HP sponsored it, um, but you could crowdsource this idea and then we'd, we would open source the solutions. 
and then at WeWork, which is a community company. So what I didn't realize until recently is that I've been building communities and part of like a community economy for a really long time. Yeah. I just sort of thought of it as like breathing. It's just kind of what you do. Yeah. And I didn't put a label on it. And and now I understand that to make those things really successful at scale, it can't just be what you do. You need to be intentional about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I uh, now I understand that I really enjoy community building. I did before, but I didn't understand it explicitly. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's such a cool thing because I think a lot of CEOs don't necessarily have that perspective. It's more business-focused, pretty laser-focused, right? And a lot of companies say that their people are their most important assets, but I think it doesn't really come through when the rubber meets the road. Like, you you just don't feel it uh, when you work there. So to me, that that's just something more unique, I think, that I see in you that uh, I, I really want to highlight because it, I think it's really important that in order for for people to do their best, you have to inspire them to do their best and give them insight and give them, like, just foster that, I'll enable that to happen. Because like you said, you can't do it for them. They have to want to do it themselves. And I, I think that's what I like about your platform or creating a platform like this is it is opt-in 100%. Like, no one's forced to be there. Um, and so I, on some level, that's really nice, right? Because you get to work with the people who want to be there. It's like they're paying for a, a grad school, right? They're, they're paying the big money to go do this thing, to level up. And um, not that yours is big money, but like they want, they want to be there. Those were always my favorite students to teach because they wanted to be there. Yep. And it was very different than, than kind of the undergrad program where your class was, was not the main event, right? Like the design course was. So you always got very low attendance or sleeping or whatever. And you don't want to see that. Um, so I, I really appreciate what you're doing at Teal. It's been really fun to watch and I can't wait to see where you guys go with this. Cause I, I can only imagine that this is just the beginning. Yeah. Uh, we're super lucky to have really an amazing investors that are, are supporting us along the way and, and buy into the big vision. Um, so we're, we're working at it. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see where we are in a year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we take a very iterative approach. We're launching new stuff all the time and, you know, getting hopefully more and more focused. Um, but we've learned a lot in, in the last 12 months and, you know, my understanding around the psychology of careers and how people think about it and how we attach our work to our identity is much deeper than it was. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was approaching it as a very like, logical problem mm-hmm. and it's like oh people just need these tools and um you know i've learned it's not it's mm-hmm. really not mm-hmm. a logic problem yeah uh, and there is a lot of depth and a lot of nuance to what our work means to our identity and how the world perceives us on where we work and what that logo means to us and how yeah. it affects us and you know if that company becomes tarnished overnight how that affects us Interesting. um these yeah. things are out of our control so it's a it's a an awesome growth journey personally and as a collective and uh, i feel like we're making progress every single day so i i really appreciate the support and encouragement and, and excitement for what we're doing yeah and i'll keep sharing it out man because i i believe in what you guys are doing that's so cool so where can people go to find out more about what you're doing at teal and you online yeah so teal is T-E-A-L-H-Q.com. We couldn't get teal.com yet, maybe one day. Mm-hmm. So you can find us there at our website. Uh, our, on Twitter, we're teal underscore HQ. 
and my Twitter, you can find me. My DMs are open at David Fano. Uh, it's not Dave Fano, David Fano. And um, yeah, DMs. And on LinkedIn, you can look me up. I'm, I'm pretty responsive. And then my email is david.fano at tlhq.com. I try to be as responsive as I can, but Twitter's probably the best. Well, I will have links to all those in the notes for this episode. And thank you so much for joining me today. Be so generous with your time. I really appreciate it, Dave. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. I hope to continue the conversation. Awesome. Excited to do it again. Thank you so, so much. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This show is part of the Gable Media Podcast Network. You can see all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. You can help support what I'm doing here by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to help get the word out, and of course, share it with your friends. I'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment on the website at trxl.co slash podcast, where you can find every episode. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube. Just search for E. Troxel. Talk to you soon.